Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I'm Dr. La. Lavender Gooms here. DJ Mark here. Kid of Kid Presentable. Uh, gallivanting across the world right now. Or not. I don't know. He'll be back soon, folks. A couple weeks. Um, we're going to talk to you folks about a relevant UFC card that's happening this Saturday. Um, some news that's come out this week. Um, a brief mention of the bullshit that happened this past Saturday. In Shanghai, um, and then some other stuff. Mike's gonna get real jazzed about a royal wedding. You Sounds know good. I am. <laughs> I love it when love's in the air. Yeah, Mike's hoping for that invite. Yo, can't you like buy like a royal title? Is that a thing? Huh? Is that like you can you can become the duke of like some? I don't fucking... know if you can buy. <laughs> I don't know if you can buy a royal title, but. I know that now that they're engaged, uh, Queen Lizzie will bes- bestow a dukedom onto Prince Harry. So, uh, isn't that wait, isn't that isn't that a demotion? What dukedom he'll he'll get? Isn't he the goddamn? Isn't Prince above Duke? Uh, I don't know, man. Right now, he's uh, his Royal Majesty Prince Harry, uh, Prince of Wales, or some shit. But I guess when when you become an honest man, they make you a duke, man. Well, what do you want from me? Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah, Mike's real jazz about that. You can tell. Um, I am Rachel. Uh, Rachel Zane uh, from Suits will become royalty now. It's a good day for America. She's gonna leave Suits, Mike. Is it that good of a day? Yeah. Well, you know what? We're all pulling for her happiness. So, you know, we'll do without Mike Ross uh, more. Fair enough. Um, mentioned Shanghai this past Saturday because on this podcast, we're all pretty sure we said, hey, we're not going to be surprised if Michael Bisping goes out there and gets three, knocked out in three minutes. Um, Mark, what happened to Michael Bisping on Saturday? <laughs> he got knocked out in two minutes, 30 seconds, which uh, he, I have a hard time remembering if we made such a bold prediction. We definitely said first round. In my head, or at least at work, I, I, I said I, three minutes. Personally, I don't think I made a bold prediction about – I just remember most talking about how it was just a bad idea in general um, after taking the beating he did to GSP to jump right back. Because uh, I, I, I don't really remember breaking down the fight too much or even having you know who I thought would win. I, I have to imagine I'd lean with uh, Kevin Gaslam just because of all the stuff going on with Bisbee and coming back. But I didn't think he'd have a performance like this. And it was an interesting fight too, Bob. Did you actually get to watch yeah, it? Yeah, I, I saw. Ball, I but. saw the older Englishman who got dropped by left hand three weeks ago get dropped by a murderous left hand. Yeah, but I mean, the, the short amount of fight we got here and the analysis you can pull from it, um, Bisping didn't look bad necessarily. He was actually starting to get into his groove a little bit. Uh, it was mostly, you know, he was starting to find a home for that straight lead right. Uh, using it as a counter, and as we got towards the end of this fight, he started even getting more aggressive with it, leading off with it. And you can tell in the first half of this round, uh, Gasolum was kind of respecting it, backing away, 
And then the one time he didn't, where he sat in the pocket after the counter right came and threw his own one-two after it, it was curtains for Bisbing. But yeah, I mean, I, I we've seen Gaslam put guys away, but I haven't seen Bisbing kind of go out like this since probably Henderson. I don't remember. Bob, do you remember him getting stopped by strikes recently? He hasn't been knocked out. I mean, he kind of got knocked out by strikes, if we're being honest, the GSP. He was kind of done there. Yeah, but yeah, it didn't No, like, put out? Way. Like, he hasn't been put out in a while since, like, Vitor, illegal, uh, Vitor with his juiced body kicked him in the head, probably. Right, yeah, another one. So, I mean, I wasn't really expecting – I mean, I, I kind of thought if Kel, if we were going to see a short run one-round performance, it would be maybe Gasolin beats him up standing, but mostly takes him down and just pounds the shit out of him there. I didn't really think he'd get it done standing, but he did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just – a bad move by the UFC brass to give Bisping this shot. We all knew it talking about last week, you know, on last week's show, how this was too short of a turnaround for getting stopped and brutalized as badly as he did against GSP. That this fight probably wasn't going to go very well for him. And to have it end this way, it, it's kind of sad. But at the same time, Baba and, and Mike, I'm sure you guys both know, like Bisping's talking about leaving after his next fight that he wants in London. And I think this makes that seem a lot more likely and feasible, right? Well, it's almost like I think like Michael Bisping knew he was going to be done in London, and he's like, I can get another check and a free, and a free, and a free flight to Shanghai out of this. <laughs> like uh, That's uh, what I'm how, thinking, to be honest. But I have a question. How is it that less than maybe three weeks ago, he essentially got knocked out? How wasn't there a medical suspension? Oh, it got reduced. So what? Three uh, hours? Well, I mean, I don't know. They went to a doctor, and I'm sure the commission in Shanghai, which is the UFC probably, almost certainly, had no problem adjusting it. Yeah, Mike brings up a good point because we didn't talk about that last week. I brought up the Muhammad, the Ali Act, and that didn't really suffice here. So I, di I didn't really understand how he got cleared, and I'm glad Mike kind of brought it up. When you get a medical suspension, you can go – You can, a doc, if, if you go to – it's, it's always – Whatever number of days, or you get cleared. So he got okay. cleared, but still, I feel so shenanigans. Really, I mean, that's really no, honestly, it it, honestly, he probably went to a doctor, and the doctor's like, "Yeah, man, you're fine," or what? I don't know, man. It's if any, I don't know a lot about brain science, but my understanding with concussions is we're really not sure how fucked you are until you're in the ground. Like that's a general <laughs> the autopsy. Yeah, like that's generally it. Like, so I don't know, and then like. Look, I mean, the UFC wouldn't let Mark Hunt fight because of brain stuff. So I'm not going <laughs> to – you know, honestly, man, like they, they, like nobody, nobody's going to watch – it's a card in Australia. They want people to watch. I don't think – I mean, look, maybe the lawsuit has something to do with it, but like Mark Hunt also said he, you know, was slurring words and forgetting shit. So I love Mark Hunt, but come on. I'm just saying I don't think – I'm not going to assume malice, you know. It's just like I think honestly you want Michael Bisp – you want someone to protect Michael Bisping from himself, you know, and – I think there's an opportunity for my, and, for and us. That should be either the commission or his coaches. Yeah, let's be honest here. Like, yeah. I mean, I think it'll be it'll be a good indication for us. Michael Bisping's fighting in London, right? Michael Bisping should not fight anybody ranked like highly or close to a title shot because, in theory, like if he wins, what do we do for that? He's also a retiring fighter who got knocked out twice in a month. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think his London fight would have been the perfect time to dust off Dan Henderson and then have that rematch. Then. Because, Bobby, we were talking about last week where – or maybe a couple weeks ago, where does Bisping go? And we talked about the Luke Rockhold fight, yeah. and that's off the table now. No, no, but I mean, I look, don't... I'm worried. That's what I'm saying is, like, if they go out there and book him and Luke Rockhold or him and Royal Romero, then yeah. I'm going to be like, come on, guys. You're better than this. Like, if Michael, Michael Bisping, say what you will about him, but he's a loyal soldier to that company. 
Like, through and through. He just fought on three fucking weeks' notice. And that's not the first time he fought on short notice. He's a clean champion. It was been there for like 15 years or something, right? Like, let's not feed him to the wolves on the way out the door. And if they do, that's going to be a sign of no, where we're at, I think. I, I can totally see them giving him Yoel Romero, Luke Rockhold, because as we talked about ad nauseum at times on this show, uh, the UFC's, uh, it seems their fight strategy since they got bought it doesn't extend further than the tip of their nose. So I can totally see them doing a once uh, a short, a short sighted fight of Yoel Romero and, uh, and well, uh, who the hell that why, is? Why and uh, Luke Rockhold. Right, Bob, because let, let, let's be real here for a second. Um, this is the only fight I saw of this card. I don't know if there's any fights worthy of talking about. Why don't we do a little matchmaker? Who would you want? This the, the Boonin, the, the Boonin die fight was actually pretty good. I uh, watched a little bit of the card uh, today. You're Boom gonna dive. Where is that even on the? Fuck? Yeah, you got fight. That pass shit is still? deep in there. Let's ask that. Yeah, that was the second fight of the night. That's the one you got. I don't have to give you props. Um, honestly, yeah, bro. um, Vitor. That's who I'd book mm -hmm. him with. You don't think that's too killer? No, because Vitor's Vitor Vitor deserves a Michael Bisping ass whooping. He's gonna get Vitor can't fight anymore, man. There's nothing. Because I got a I got a good softball here. Machida. No, no, that's not got, a softball. Both those guys are like those are dudes. I think could still kill Michael Bisping. They both have gotten knocked out more often recently than Michael Bisping did. I got a kitty that has no claws left anymore, what? baby. Who? Him and Rashad Evans. Make him do it again. I don't think. <laughs> see, I don't think Rashad wants to go 185 again. He'll do it for London. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I think Vitor is a good matchup. I think Vitor is booked with somebody, but. No, it's not bad. It's just I, I, I do. Dude, let's, let, him, point, let him get one of these back, man. One of these steroid guys back. I say, I say we do a loser leave. I say we do a loser leave town match. Michael Bisping, Diego Sanchez. Boom. How about everybody goes home? Vitor versus Michael Bisping. <laughs> well, that's it. Everybody's <laughs> done. When we're done, everybody goes home. I, I, you know, Bob, that's not actually that bad. I mean, I, 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 I was scared because Belford still has. That first minute where he seemingly can put guys away, but after that he's pretty he, he is pretty harmless. So that's not bad. You know you, you don't want to see him go against like a um a wideman or something. You know I could see them. They haven't fought before. There's a lot of bad moves they can make here because this division's full of killers that Michael Bisming has done a pretty good job avoiding. And now he just needs. You know what is Michael Bisming fought all the killers that existed, but a whole new generation has shown up. Yeah, for yeah the new gen. He can't. He can't handle the new gen. He got. A, he got a bit of it last this last Saturday. Gaslam is kind of of that new generation. You know, it's, it's, it's honestly good. hard to give the guy as much credit as he deserves for looking as good as he did against Michael Bisming, just because of like Bisming gets hit all the time, man. Like, and he <laughs> survives more almost always. Like, I mean, I wanted to break down the fight because it was I, mostly I was impressed with Biz being taking control of the stand up and being confident. We didn't really get a good read on Gaslam. He was being defensive and waiting for that moment to come. And he, he saw the pattern where Biz being's getting real confident with that uh, right straight. And he decided, you know, I'm going to sit in the pocket after that this counter instead of backing away. And it worked out perfectly for him. So, yeah, not a lot to take away from Gaslam's performance, just that. He's a killer. You know, he's a young prospect. He's part of this new generation in middleweight. Um, and when we saw him, the, the move from welterweight has been really good for him in middleweight, even though he doesn't seem to like it. But I think at this point, beating – is this the only former champion he beat? Who else did he beat? Because I thought he beat another – Man, he got beat, but he got like – He beat Belford, right? Well, but he that's... got that got overturned because he t pissed hot for a week. Oh. 
No, man, he looked really good. I mean, the thing is against Weidman, he looked so small. Like, yeah. that was like a top three guy at that point. I mean, Bisping is two now, but let's be honest, Bisping's on the way out the door. And again, three weeks notice. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know where we, where we went with this thing, but Michael Bisping, Vitor Belfort's the one to book. And I'm looking at Vitor's book to fight Uriah Hall. Do we really need to see that? I mean, mm-hmm. you know what? Hall wouldn't be bad. You know what? Fuck. I bet Bisping, that's in middle of January. When in February is this London card? Vitor can get knocked out in mid-January. Three weeks notice is a fine turnaround for a man who got his light turns off. It's, I think it's March because I think they're saying oh, he has three months right that's now. That's plenty. Vitor can get knocked out and fight six weeks later in uh, in fucking uh, March. No problem. Hopefully that works out. I mean, obviously, as tough as I've been on Bisbing and his champion reign and kind of throwing shade on him from time to time, um, we've also given him a lot of praise. You know, this this dude is a company man. He's been around forever. Consist- I mean, he has the most wins, right? Is it the most wins? He has UFC? the most wins. He's all been knocked down the most times also now. I think well, he's I mean, tied. Yeah, you take the good, he's you tied take with it. GSP, actually. Oh, no, GSP. Yeah, so GSP broke it or tied it? Which one was it? I think he tied him. And nevertheless, he, he deserves a good send-off in his home country hey, man, with a winnable opponent, I if think. If he's retiring in March and we do uh, Hall of Fame in July, I'm telling you right now, that's my pick. Yeah, that's I'm an pu- easy one. I'm putting him in in three seconds. I'm going to put him in before but, the fucking UFC does. But seriously, I mean, I don't know if either of you guys have ever had a concussion before. But the one time I once got a concussion, I wasn't right for a solid month. Was that when you were in school? It, no, no, no. This was after school when I was in um, when I was working in Syracuse. Some guy thought I was looking at his girl, and I wasn't. And well, he didn't want to hear no for an answer, and he sucker punched me right to the floor. Yo, Mike, you, you were looking at that girl though, right? I wasn't. Hey, she I wasn't thought- hot. I swear <laughs> to God. I okay. swear to God, I wasn't. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> by the way, speaking of promotions doing questionable shit, Roy McDonald says he spoke to Bellator President Scott Coker and he could serve as an alternate for the heavyweight tournament. Love it. <laughs> oh my God. Mark, you and I were talking about this earlier today. We're like, Dana White's supposedly the, supposed to be the devil and Scott Coker is everybody's Uncle Scott. But man, Bellator, does, all of his promotions, man, there's always some stuff where I'm like, come on, Scott. That's not okay, I mean, Scott. Scott. Scott tried to get people killed. I mean, <laughs> it's already like this is a open weight tournament because half this roster <laughs> on this tournament's light heavyweights. Then to bring, I mean, Rory, he's never moved up to middleweight, right? He's no, we're not even we're not even at that yet. <laughs> so I mean, to jump literally three weight classes into literally the heaviest weight class that doesn't have a limit until two sixty. These guys can almost weigh a hundred pounds more than he does when he weighs <laughs> but, in. Well, but in fairness, though. Besides what Fedor and what Mitch, besides Fedor, Mitrione, and I think one other person in this Grand Roy Prix, Nelson. everyone, Roy Nelson, no one else there is a real heavy. Yeah, there's four heavyweights. Well, maybe... There's Mir, Fedor, um, Rat Mitrione, and Roy Nelson. And then you got Rampage, yeah. who's basically a cruiserweight now. Right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Then you got uh, King Mo, Chael, and Ryan Bader. Dude, Ryan Bader weighs like 240 pounds. He is so much bigger than Roy McDonald, and that's only two weight classes. Yeah, you, they're all Mitch, pretty big. Mitrione is 250 I, pounds. I don't think they would – I think of all the bad decisions Bellator makes, to slot Rory as your alternate is just a, a waste of his talents. Oh, my like God. You can, 
There's like there's some legitimate guys in the weight division now. I think they're talking about him and Musashi. But he's fighting the champion. He's fighting Lima first. Yeah, just just wait for that. Just yeah, wait I for mean, that. Like, dude, dude, like, let's just say that like, all right, alternate Frank Mir's facing Roy McDonald. If Frank Mir gets on top of Roy McDonald, how quickly is his shit going to be torn off his body and just flung over the cage? Same same time. Does that not sound appealing? It sounds super appealing yeah. to me. Mike, do you, I'm not like, sure you remember this. That's what I was thinking. Mike, do you remember this? Where like when it was this was years ago when Fado or not when Brock fate or faced Kane, and we were talking about it, you and me and our friend Noah, and Noah was convinced that this is going to be the first time we see one human being pick up another human being and throw him out of the cage. That was his assessment for how much bigger Brock was than Kane. He's like, he's going to pick him up and that. throw him <laughs> over the cage like it's a battle royal, like. <laughs> That's that being said, let's let's not forget history because there was in Dream the open weight tournament in which Minowa Man almost won the. Actually, he might have won the whole goddamn thing. I, I also can't did. remember now. I think Minowa Man, Minowa Man had the magic red tights though. He he at least made it to the finals. I can't remember. I think someone big finally got the better of him, but he made it pretty far. You know, guys, this you is know what? what? And let's let's also remember that the fight starts standing up. So let's say in this hypothetical matchup where Rory is fighting Frank Mir. I mean, until Frank Mir drags his ass to the ground, you know, Rory's going to have the advantage. Are you sure? Because Frank Mir knocked out far larger people than Rory. And Rory got punched by Robbie Lawler, and that was a wrap. Frank Mir is outweighed by Frank, outweighs Robbie Lawler by like 60 pounds. Yo, but Rory got that quickness. I mean, okay. <laughs> Can't hit a moving target, Bob. He's got to be on his ho- He's got to be on his fucking bike that fight. Let me tell you. That's a... Uh... God, I I know what? Fuck it, I get it. We've been talking about it for five minutes, Mark. You're right. (laughs) Put it in the cage. Let's see what happens. Uh, Correction as well. Uh, Minowa Man won the Super Hulk tournament, beating Sokuju. So, oh, yeah, Sokuju. Good that Sokuju got in there, man. (laughs) Yeah, but hey, but before that, he beat Bob Sapp and uh, Choi Hong Man. Oh, man. Those are. You got a fake fight. I mean, if your friend thought Brock was going to throw Kane out, you got a fake fight, and then you got whatever Hong Man Choi is. Okay, come on now. Still, but those are, I mean, talk about size difference. Those guys are freaking monsters. You know, you know what? I got some random shit here I, uh, I wanted to bring up. You, you, this is actually kind of a natural transition. You mentioned Bob Sapp. I mentioned I listened to that podcast where the guy talks about um, WWE history. He used to work there. Bought Bruce Pritchard's podcast, something to wrestle with. And um, they were talking about um, their version of ECW. And he said, uh, Bobby Lashley became the champion um, in ECW you know, Bobby Lashley, you guys have seen him probably in Bellator and um, Strikeforce. Bobby Lashley became the ECW champion because they were trying to get Bob Sapp. And Bob Sapp wanted too much money, I guess. And they're like, oh, fuck, we got this other Jack Black guy. Let's make him champion. And that's how Bobby Lashley became a world champion. <laughs> Do not remember that. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, I like hearing about all the, U- all the times that uh, WWE tried to sign MMA fighters. Um, all right. Um... So, uh, you guys might notice we almost never talk about Colby Covington. I wanted to bring this up. It's because none of us care. And um, I didn't bring this up until this week, but I've not listened to an MMA podcast since the last pay-per-view because, well, they all pretty much lead off with Colby Covington. And he doesn't have to be a thing, people. We can all ignore this. My man brought up, he brought up Hitler, all right? When talking about his right to call Brazilians filthy animals, all right? That was a thing, all right? So we can all ignore Colby Covington and move on with our lives also. Um, What better place, Bobby, than our own MMA 
podcast. You gotta talk to him. I don't know what Kobe's doing. Mike doesn't give a fuck. We don't have to give this guy any stage time. None of us care. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we're done. We, we're, we're not. Ooh. I'm not talking about Kobe Covington unless he's fighting somebody. All I'm saying, Bobby, is we don't talk about him again until he fights somebody. Yeah, we're Because every week you say, why are we giving this guy time? And then we talk about him for hey, man, 20 minutes. It's been a few weeks, man. We haven't talked about his ass. So we're done. Uh, yeah. Covington, um, you're over. Yeah. The old news. It's real special to make Fabricio Verdum, who takes money from a warlord, seem like not as bad a person. But okay, way to go. Um, hey, let's just talk about this fucking card because it's awesome and I want to talk about it. Um, UFC 218 is this weekend. Um, we've, talk, we've been talking about 218 for a while now, a couple of different reasons besides it being pretty fucking stacked. Um, we were all, I mean, most of us, hell, me at least, was pretty jazzed for Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar. We lost that fight. Um, Stefan had been preaching, why the fuck isn't Kevin Lee fighting in Detroit? Which, good question. Why isn't Kevin Lee fighting in Detroit? But um, this thing is an awesome, awesome card. It also has got Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez on it, which a fight I'm going to need a cigarette afterwards when it's over probably. But let's get into this shit. Um, Max Holloway, Jose Aldo are going to do it again, folks. Um, Max Holloway, uh, this was supposed to be against Frankie Edgar, but um, Frankie got hurt, broke his face, which is you need that if you're going to fight. So no fighting for Frankie Edgar for a little bit. Um, it seemed like most people, it was going to be, the choice was pretty clear, Jose Aldo or Cub Swanson. Everybody thought Cub Swanson was probably the better choice, for being honest. But Cub was on the last fight of his contract, and the UFC didn't want to pay him more. And this is me filling in the blanks. You can't convince me otherwise, though. So they said, Jose Aldo, let's send his ass over there. Um, issues with that aside, uh, these guys fought earlier this year with Jose Aldo winning the first two rounds, and then getting knocked out in the third? If you guys remember, I, I didn't even watch this thing live. That's what I remember happening, it, though. It was a finish in the third. Yeah. Uh, he kind of got his soul taken by Max Holloway, it seemed like. Like, Max Holloway just took everything he had and just shoved it up his ass in the third round. Um, Mike, uh, Stefan's picking Max. I mean, let's just put it out there. Is anybody picking Jose Aldo here? Negative. He is a you know, plus. You hear, you, you're, hearing a, you're hearing a lot of the... Um... The, the usual things you'll hear from the coaches, you know, Jose's never looked better. He's going to bring all his weapons back. I'm assuming that means his leg kicks. I'm not believing it. Man, Jose Aldo is the greatest featherweight that ever lived. He's only a plus 255 favorite. As I mentioned, he won I'm a, just plus 255 underdog. Sorry. As I mentioned, he won the first two rounds when they fought the first time. But Marcus, I honestly am just at the point. I think I told you this earlier today where, like, Max is peaking. Like, this is he's hitting it all right now. It's weird to say that about somebody so young, but it's like it's just hard to see him getting touched at this very moment in the game, especially the confidence he's feeling against a man who he put out. You know, it's it's hard to really pick against him in this one. Yeah, um, I mean, we're all going with Max. I mean, which is an easy kind of avenue to go through because they just fought. He just beat him. At the same time, I feel like that that Connor loss for Aldo still haunts me, just like Cub and Aldo. Like when you get knocked out that quickly, your stock in my eyes, in my head, I just can't, I can't get over it. Like I keep under evaluating Jose Aldo and his skill set, and even in this fight, Bob, when you talked about his last fight, like I couldn't remember he won the first two rounds. All I remember is Max Holloway whomping that ass and finishing just on it on top of him, beating the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I think from my own perspective, I'm not giving Jose Aldo nearly enough credit, and I think on paper this fight doesn't really 
excite me because it's a matchup we just saw. I kind of want to see Max fight someone fresh and new and someone that's going to oppose different challenges for him. At the same time, I'm being kind of ignorant to the fantastic fight we're probably going to be treated to in this one because they do match up really well. I think that first fight was a really competitive match now that I look back on it and think, yeah, you know, Max did lose two rounds. You know, he kind of had his his backup against the cage and had to push back, and, and he did, and he won impressively. Um, but this should this will still be an exciting outing, and, and you really touched upon it, Bob. We've been seeing Max Holloway grow in leaps and bounds over the last – when was the last time he, he – when did he lose to Connor? Was that two or three years ago? August 2014. Jeez, a good memory. Yeah, I mean, the guy's been unbeaten, untouched. Shit, 2013. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, even longer. So, I mean, he's just been on a complete tear, and that's included running through Jose Aldo the first time. So it's hard to imagine him not having a re repeat performance and maybe even performing better. But at the same time, you know, when uh, Aldo fought Frankie for that second time, I thought Aldo was just done because you were so close to that McGregor loss. And Aldo looked great in that fight. So I feel like I am, and maybe we all are discounting Jose Aldo a little too much. I know I am for sure. Um, cause I, I do, I have no problem picking Max in this fight. I think Aldo is more of a live dog. Like you mentioned before the betting lines, not that off on him having just lost to this guy. Um, but in my mind, I just, I, I can't see Jose Aldo in the same light that we saw before that Connor loss. And I think it's kind of, it's definitely lost me a couple bets. I don't think it's going to lose me this one. Cause I'm very confident in Max, but I think we're going to get a, a better fight than I'm kind of envisioning in my head, man. I feel we're real. Like you've mentioned yourself, man. We're like, we, we sound hypercritical of Aldo. And it's like, we we all recognize that he's the greatest featherweight that ever did this thing, man. And he's, you know, looking at his resume, is ridiculous. Seven title defenses, four fight of the nights, three knockout of the nights in the, in the WEC. Yeah, WEC champion also. He was fighter of the year uh, 2009 um, at Dog. He was fighter of the year at the World MMA Awards in 2010. He got a fighter of the year award um, from ESPN and World MMA. He's His resume is complete. And he's only, you know... 31 years old. Uh, he's, you know, younger than all of us here. Uh, but, well, actually, no, he's not younger than Mike. Actually, no, he is old. What am I talking about? He is younger than Mike. This makes no sense. Um, but he's uh, he's on the he's on the downside of his career. There's no measuring stick where he's not. And I think he's going to lose. I think he's going to look a good early because Max seems like he, uh, I, I guess Pettis also, Pettis had some early success also, if you guys remember. So I think Max likes to, like, not quite Anderson Silva level of the measuring shit, but Max tries to get an idea of what you have, it seems like, the early in the fight. You know, and then he just, you know, as it gets later on, he puts on his, puts his, he starts putting his pace on, you know, he starts putting the pace on, he starts giving you his, you know, giving you his strikes from every which way, you know, he starts mixing it up, so. I and think, to be fair, I think, this, he's taking this fight on short notice, and his opponent was going to be Frankie Edgar, and I think Edgar and Aldo are two different beasts, and you have to train differently for them, so. That could potentially, you know, kind of throw them some things into the the mix that makes it a little harder for Max to kind of readjust to this. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I wonder which one's harder for a guy like Max, to be honest, because Frankie's such a moving target, but Aldo's so fast. So I don't know. This is you're right. It's a very difficult one. Mike, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about what you said earlier, and I have to agree completely that. I think that what can give people some hope when it comes to Aldo is that they'll say, oh, well, he won the first two rounds. But from my recollections of that fight, he won the first two rounds, but it really seemed more to me that during those first two rounds, it wasn't so much that Max was losing, was uh, that Aldo was winning those rounds, but more that 
Max was just laying back, downloading all those fight patterns and really just learning to, you know, see what actions he was going to take next in the later rounds. And then we saw all of that come into fruition in the third round. And even though Aldo's just 31 and, you know, there's still some things I guess conceivably someone could learn. He has been in the fight game a long time. I don't think that the Aldo we'll see in the octagon this time is going to be much different than the Aldo we saw last time. Uh, if I remember correctly, there wasn't any any news of an injury or anything like that in the in the first fight. So I think it's quite possible that we won't even see a lag time in the rounds this time with with Max. We'll see. I mean, it's I think it's going to be a solid matchup. I mean. It's, we, I would have liked the newer matchup. I think Cub probably deserved it, but, you know, I'm not going to be unhappy watching Max Holloway or Jose Aldo fight. Yeah, even with Cub, it's like those guys fought before too, which yeah. I honestly completely forgot about. I just, I, I feel like with Max, I want to see new stuff with him, but you kind of forget that this dude's been around forever. He's kind of honestly, like he's Ed, Edgar was the only one he hadn't fought because he, yeah. he beat everybody on the route to it. And Edgar was an interesting matchup. I mean, I know a lot of his fights aren't as great as they should be, but... Frankie's an interesting puzzle just to see if Max can figure it out. What about Chad? I know Chad's kind of out of the mix. Chad, Max and Chad, Chad is, uh, he hasn't fought Max. Because um, he's got, he got a steroid busted, right? Yeah, That's he why got, he's he got, he got yeah, Chad's full, he got, also suspended. Chad got those yeah. full two years, man. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it just sucks because when Connor got into the division, it just spiced everything up, you know? And then he laid waste to everybody, and then he left. And Max has kind of picked up the pieces since Connor's been gone. Well, Max and was laying like, waste. Max was laying waste to people right after Hulk Connor was. It was, yeah. He was kind of the cleanup crew, and now it's just like this division's beat again, right? Like all these dudes. Well, I mean, like, there's guys. I mean, let me think about it this way. Like, I mean, I'm looking at the. Let's look at the rankings. Um, he's fighting Aldo. One. Um, he's already fought him, but he's fighting Aldo again. Edgar, he has to fight. Um, he beat Ricardo Lamas. That was the one where at the last 10 seconds of the fight, he pointed to the ground and they both started swinging at each other. Uh, he beat Cub Swanson. Him and Zombie that would be, be good, awesome. But Zombie's got to earn it, though. I He's think Zombie needs one more. I think Zombie, Z- got, Zombie, Zombie needs some wins. Zombie you just yeah, want. He needs yeah, one I think more, you're right, I think. Bob. Because of his name, one more win will get him a title. Well, he, sure. he, lo- he lost the title fight to Aldo, was gone for two years. Then he knocked the guy out. He, yeah, knocked, he, out, back. he knocked out somebody good. Yeah. Too. Um, yeah. Oh, it was um, Bermudez. Yeah, maybe yeah. that was it was a good win. Yeah. yeah, and then he got then he got hurt again though. So I don't think he's yeah. lost. I don't think he's fought since then. All right, who else do we got? Bob? Then that, uh, uh, Brian Ortega, who's undefeated, and if okay. he beats he, Cub, if he beats he Cub, Cub, he jumps up. That's a yeah. big one. I like, and that could teasing. be interesting stylistically because Brian Ortega brings one thing to the table really well and not the other things, it would be an interesting matchup. See, we got like the tail end here of the, some shit gets interesting here. Like Yair, Frankie beat his ass like he stole something, but Fra- yeah, right. Yair is pretty close. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Stevens is old. Darren Elkin's old. Henato uh, Moicano's young. I yeah. honestly don't remember. Yeah, like, 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 like you're Duho, getting here we go. This is a good part. Duho Choi and Mursad Bektik. Those two guys are, are number 12 and 13. We got some wins out of those two. They'll move up. Yeah, you that's know. the thing. At the tail end of the top 10, they need a high-profile win to kind of get in the picture. Because um, Max hasn't – he hasn't – this – I mean, as, as I say, Featherweight's kind of broken. Like, it's not decimated. Like, you can't – we can't be having the stuff that we saw at uh, Mighty Mouse's division where he's fighting the ninth-ranked guy and stuff. He still needs to be fighting guys in the top five to – you know, because the belt's still legitimate. He hasn't laid waste. But 
yeah, it's just the whole division just doesn't have that sparker. You know, I mean, I think I think really what it was, Connor came in. I want to see Connor fight all those guys. I want to see all these different looks from him. He decimated everybody, and the division hasn't been the same. We don't have enough of this new blood coming in. I think a couple of names that you mentioned, Bob. There's a lot. There's some interesting guys there, but they need more fights. They need to get a couple wins to kind of get in the picture. So hopefully we'll get there. By the way, you mentioned we mentioned uh, just Cub- just an update on a Korean zombie. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to fight Ricardo Lamas in June. That would have been good. But he suffered a severe knee injury, a complete rupture of his ACL, complete rupture of his MCL, a bone bruise, and a discoid lateral meniscus. He that probably is, won't be out. He'll probably be out until deep 2018. No, I mean, no. that's he got that Seth Rollins injury. Rollins came back in like seven months. Come on, zombie. Yeah, you shoot a documentary, you're fine. Yeah, you put you in a. That's a really good documentary, folks. If you want to find it, really good one. Um, all right. Um, let's talk about the rest of this card. Uh, so good. It really is. This is where fucking Alistar Overeem, Francis Ngannou. I'm so hyped. I am so hyped for this one. I'm pretty confident in my pick, and that's that. Uh, Francis Ngannou is gonna knock Overeem into the land of wind and ghosts. But that's like that's this is gonna be great. Um, I am fully aboard the Francis Ngannou hype train. We are all fully aboard, despite what Mark was going to pick here. Mark's on board, too. We're all on the hype train, folks. We're all about Francis Ngannou. He knocks out Alistair Overeem. You give me Alistair, you give me Stipe versus Francis Ngannou. That's what I want to see. Make that shit happen, folks. Um, I'm crazy hyped. I got Ngannou knocking out Overeem. Um, I don't know. I, I, Alistair is real smart. Alistair can avoid shit, but Ngannou... Doesn't he's not just hitting hard, like the way he throws and the way he moves, like he knows what he's doing, like his he for a guy who's been doing this for four years, Ngannou makes huge huge strides, and I think he's gonna have a hard time for Overeem not to get hit by this guy, especially when it doesn't. Alistair doesn't have the greatest chin in the world, so I got I got Ngannou knocking him out. Um, Mike, what do you got? Hey, no. I'd still like to see Overeem win. I don't know why. I don't find him to be a particularly nice guy. It's some of the guys I'm watching. You know, I like Mike. Your internet's failing you. Well, that's Mm. great. Try again. How about now? Can you? We can hear you now. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying that. You know, I I like the character of Overeem. Maybe not so much the person because he's pretty cocky. (laughs) But (laughs) okay. Tell me how much you love the Diaz brothers. <laughs> I think in God, I think in Ganu will win mainly because Alistar. Anytime someone hits him with a stiff breeze, he literally just turns around and runs away, and that's normally not the best fighting style. Even though he's once he's six and one in his uh, last seven fights, but as much as I want Overeem to win, I love me a good hype train. So I'm gonna go with Frankie. Mike was not excited enough for this fight. My, Mark, get hyped. Who do you got? Yeah, no, uh, I, this is this is a really intriguing fight on a, a lot of levels. And I think you guys kind of touched on the most obvious one. You know, we have a, a young guy that's coming up that is just, he, dude, hits like a, a freaking Mac train. And on the other pendulum, you have Overeem, whose greatest kryptonite is dudes that hit hard. Because, I mean, you look at, you know, how Alistar loses. He, lose, he lost 10 times by knockout, and he's lost like, twice by submission, one time by decision. I mean, when this guy loses, it's because he gets, you know, he gets the lights turned out. 
And I think when you make a, a snap judgment on just looking at this fight, it's easy to say uh, Francisco is the you know the head runner. He's where you sh- if you're if you're looking at our analysis and trying to think about where you should put money, I think putting money on Francis is a smart move. Now, the logistics of that is that you know Alistar, while he is completely susceptible from getting hit and often does get hit and has a hard time recovering, and when he's hurt, he does not make good tactical choices. He usually reverts back to covering up and hoping the badness will stop at some point, which is not a good strategy. <laughs> but at the same time, we've seen him against heavy hitters and win those fights. And that gives me a little confidence in picking Alistar. And I mean, let's be real. I'm picking Alistar because when I pick my boys, I'm going to be picking a lot of my boys. And sometimes I don't pick my boys like TJ, but Alistar has always been my boy. So I have to pick him and I don't feel bad picking him. And it's mostly because of his fights against junior and his fights against Mark hunt who, other guys that hit like Mac train yeah, yeah, that it's... know how to do it. But Alistar, he is, you know, when we're just looking at skill sets, dude's coming in with an army and Francis is coming in with a squad. You know, he has on the stand-up, he has a lot more tools to work with. He has kicks, knees. His punches aren't great. When it comes to the clinch, he's going to be really strong with knees to the body and to the head. And his ground game is fantastic. I think when you look at just skill sets, I think Overeem's got him beat. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot of analysis to throw on that. Like, oh, Alistair Overeem is the more skilled fighter in this one. It's just Francis, his best chance is Alistair's, you know, worst con in his game is just getting nailed. And I think, you know, if, if Alistair can really mind his his P's and Q's and be tactful, and I, I think really what he'll have to do in this fight is early on, he has to hit him hard with kicks. And when I say hard, the... The, the strategy here is that Francis needs to know that when Alistair is about to kick him, I need to get the fuck out of the way or I need to put my hands up to block that shit. If Alistair throws middling kicks and kind of testing the waters with little inside low kicks, Francis will counter the shit out of that and knock him out. So there's a lot of things that Overeem needs to yeah, really Overeem be mindful of. needs to stay of. the hell away from him, right? I mean, stay the hell away from him at least for the first round. Well, Minimum. I think surviving the first round's key. You know, I think if he gets out of the first round and can and maybe make Francis kind of expel some of himself. And, and Bobby, the, the the strategy shouldn't just be to keep him away. It's either that's part of it, keep him away or keep him real close. Because I mean, in the clinch, Alistair's pretty dangerous. He knows how to how to really handle a guy in the clinch. He knows how to get in positions where he's going to be able to throw the knees to the body, and he's he's strong in that position. And if he can if he can muscle. Francis up against the cage in the clinch for three, four minutes while he's peppering him with knees to the body into the leg. Francis is trying to fight out of it. He can't get the underhooks in. I can, if Alistair can control that position and get Francis to kind of burn himself out a little bit, his chances of winning the fight later or even getting a decision, I think goes up a lot, but it's really just surviving that first round. And like you said, Bobby, it's not, it's not just the strategy has to be drain this dude's stamina and hopefully to finish him in the end. Because like you said, Francis isn't just, there's no indication. There's no indication that like that's the thing. We're like, I mean, I think we like. I love Derek Lewis, for example. Love Derek Lewis, but I think people like Derek Lewis is like he says it himself. He's slanging and banging, right? Like he's just swinging. Um, Francis is a better fighter than like a more skilled fighter than that. So, like, it's almost like I mean, it's there's no guarantee that like we're gonna get to the third round and Alistair has more energy to him at all. Yeah, and I think Francis's whole thing, like what you're alluding to, Bobby, is that like one of the things that he's really gotten the best at is uh, shot selection. He doesn't just he does, he's not trying to make the openings. He waits for them to materialize. He he recognizes when those moments happen and he explodes at those moments. And they're 
you know, he's being very tactical about how he's going to, you know, utilize his energy. And he's only going to utilize a lot of it if he has that opening to do a lot of damage. And that could really be what, you know, spells the end for Overing in this fight because, you know, the dude is a very tactical fighter, but he does make a lot of small little mistakes that some of these other guys haven't capitalized on. And Francis has shown that ability to really analyze the fight as it's going on, recognize those moments when there's a little slip up, there's a little he's off balance, the dude's not covering up right, and he exploits those moments. And that could be exactly um, what he needs to do against Overeem. And I think Francis has a good shot. I mean, Bob, is he the favorite in this one? Well, I mean, Francis is the favorite, but it's worth, I mean, I mean, it's worth mentioning, like, he's not, I mean, Max Holloway's a bigger favorite than Francis. Right. And I, and I, and Francis I think is that, minus 235, Alistair plus 185. So it's not like it's out of the question where either one of these guys wins this thing. Yeah, and I think that the knock on Francis here is that he hasn't fought in top competition. I mean, when your best name is Anthony Hamilton and Andre Orlovsky, Okay, well, wait, wait, wait. That's, that's not fair to Andre Arlovsky. I think him and Anthony Hamilton don't get set in the same sentence. One of them has got, like, three reigns. The other one is, is named yeah, after but, an R&B and singer. Okay, pull another name out of there. Curtis Blades, Bobby? Is that what you want to pull? No, I'm, All saying, I'm, saying, that, is... I'm saying that, like, you're like the likes hey, of... Hey, Curtis Blades saying, is solid. Yeah, okay. Andre Arlovsky, there's a little bit of respect. Okay, okay, got okay Bobby, I'll give, you, I'll give you Arlovsky. Alistair beat him. He's also beat Verdum. He's also beat Junior Dos Santos. He's also beat Mark Hunt. Dude's roster goes on for a fucking okay, day. I'm, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying that, like, that's no, something. You can't. You can't, Bobby. Even if you want to make kind of play devil's advocate, you can't even begin to make that argument because Francis hasn't been around that long. He hasn't fought in the kind of competition that over him not only has fought, but also beat. And I think that's where you have to, you know, you have to be a little mindful because sometimes we get hot on these prospects. Dude's going to burn up the world and then they run into some roadblocks. And this could potentially be a roadblock although i do think francis has a great shot of winning this fight i think he can get it wait done a in the second first round. are you trying to tell me curtis blades isn't as good as junior dos santos yes that's fucked up that's a fucked up move man i don't know i, I, I was just saying that like the likes of andre lovsky i think hamilton i just felt like that should be two different sentences just because well, try to pull some try to pull some fucking names from this dude's resume you're gonna have a hard time I'm just saying. Go do it, Bobby. Like, look up his Wikipedia okay, page. Okay, Mark, you're, Mark, you're, 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 arguing with, you're arguing with a point that I'm not making. Okay, I'm just saying Andre Arlovsky is a top 10 win when he beat him. All Bobby's trying to say is that he's not trying to say the resumes are comparable. No, he's trying I'm to just, say stop shitting on Andre yeah, Arlovsky. Yeah, I'm just like, like Anthony Hamilton is like is not good. Sorry to him. But like. It's what is the difference? That's all I'm saying. There's a difference. My, my, all I'm trying to say is looking at resumes, I'm trying to pull more than one name for our, our man Francis. And Anthony Hamilton is as good as it gets. Deal with it, okay? Deal no, with it. Hey, Andre Arlovsky Curtis is Blades, as good as it Curtis gets. Blades has won four in a row. Yeah, I'm saying, okay, then, then okay. switch Hamilton for Blades and get all fluffy about that. Right. All I'm saying is I'm looking I, at I resumes. Feel, I just feel Mark still doesn't see my point here, so we can just move on. I do see your point. Andre Arlovsky is a much better name than Anthony Hamilton. All I'm saying is Francis hasn't beaten anyone besides Andre Arlovsky then. Perfect. Um, Henry Cejudo, we're not spending this much time on these other fights. Henry Cejudo, Sergio Pettis. Um, I think it's, if we don't see Mighty Mouse fight uh, TJ Dillashaw, I think it's pretty clear he's fighting the winner of this fight. And um, as the only man trying to hype up uh, Sergio Pettis these past few fights, um, I think this is going to be a tough one for him because if you told me Sergio Pettis is fighting the version of, of Henry Cejudo that fight Mighty Mouse, I'd be like, yeah, okay. 
But the version of Henry Cejudo who's fought the last two fights um, is much improved. And I say this as somebody who really hopes Sergio Pettis wins. Because if Sergio Pettis goes out there and, like, finishes Henry Cejudo, you know, because that'd be nice. If he got if he's on five straight wins and the last one is knocking out Henry Cejudo, it'd be a scenario where I could get a little bit more excited for a new matchup here. But um, I that's uh, Henry Cejudo has looked too good. And Sergio's not putting guys away. Sergio's winning decisions. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Henry Cejudo. I'm gonna agree with uh, with Stefan here. Take uh, Cejudo getting the win here. Uh, Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Henry too. Um, I, I like the wrestling angle. I think if things start not looking good for Henry standing up, um, he always has you know the clinch work to kind of fall back on. Um, but like you said, Bobby, Henry's just been looking really good. And you know, not take anything away from Sergio, who's He's also good been. Too. But, yeah, who's yeah. also been making a lot of strides. I mean, we're really seeing two guys improve consistently throughout their fights. I've just been more impressed with Henry. Um, it looked like he might have been a one-trick pony, and his stand-up has just looked so much better. And what I like about it is it sticks to the basics. You know, it's straight punches and just get that down pat. And, you know, if he can land one of those on uh, on uh, Pettis because Pettis is going to be looking at different angles, he's going to be trying to come in with some tricky stuff, and Henry's going to be coming straight at him. And it, it could be some problems for him. And I think the wrestling might also factor in here. So I'm taking Henry. Mike. Man, you know, I'd really, even though Pettis has, you know, won a string of fights, I'd really like to see him actually show some finishing capabilities, which he hasn't really shown yet in the octagon. Uh, for all the reasons you guys just said, uh, Cejudo's stand-up has really gotten a lot better, especially when we saw the Wilson Hayes fight. And... His wrestling is going to be on another level that Sergio's never seen before. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good chance that he uses boxing to get in and just takes him to the ground, and then it'll be all she wrote. I think he's knocking. I think he's going to go. I don't think Henry Zudo's taking him down. I think Henry Zudo's going to not getting a knockout. I think Henry Zudo needs to put a stamp on this shit if he's somehow going to get another title shot. And by somehow, I mean look, folks, we all want to see T.J. Dillashaw versus Mighty Mouse, but is the UFC going to pay for that? Is the UFC going to pay for anything? So when we end up with uh, DJ versus Hudo 2 or DJ versus Pettis, let's not all act too shocked. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, you want, you want me to fight the champion? You're gonna. Uh, you should probably pay me more money. Oh, you don't want to? Okay. <laughs> Lisa, you know what? As much as Malki Kawa as a manager gets shit, I'm confident Mighty Mouse will get paid at the end of this, if nothing else. Um, Pettis, by the way, coming into that fight. Um, Plus 190. So roughly the odds we're looking at. Same odds for Pettis to win as Alistar Overeem. Um, so despite all of us going one way here, um, this we could very easily see a different matchup, a different uh, result. Um, all right, guys. This is the fight where um, I really can't emphasize enough how excited I am. Justin Gaethje, I've been waving this man's flag for years, and it was so nice for it to pay off. When he fought Michael Johnson, where I was like, see, guys, when, he, when when this dude was fighting in, like, rec halls, where I swear to God, there was, like, a youth karate class happening in the background somewhere. He was excellent. And now he's in the UFC, and he's must-watch TV. Um, Justin Gaethje became, if possible, to become a star among hardcore fans. That happened when he fought uh, Michael Johnson. Anybody who didn't know who he was, who was a hardcore fan, knew exactly who the fuck Justin Gaethje was. And then UFC quickly threw him on tough, which honestly was the first time I remember all of us being like, yeah, he probably shouldn't fight for six months anyway. So 
it kind of worked out. Uh, Eddie Alvarez uh, came off of uh, kind of cheating to beat Dustin Poirier, and then it got turned into no contest. Yeah, no contest. <laughs> yeah, it got, I mean, it was like, I mean, yeah, that's kind of what happened. Um, Eddie Alvarez, the, ter- the, the words he's using, uh, let me see if I can find what I sent you earlier today, what Eddie Alvarez said about this fight, which, Mike, I'm not sure if you heard this yet, but I'm pretty sure there's no way one could better sell a fight to me. This is Eddie Alvarez talking about Justin Gaethje. I'm going to be honest. I don't fucking know what's going to happen on Saturday. I will tell you this. It's going to be nuts. I spent a good deal of this training camp working on not giving a fuck myself. I don't think anybody, yeah, I, mean, I don't think anybody's ever sold a fight like that better, man. Just, this is going to be fucking chaos. Um, Justin Gaethje's fights are always like that until somebody, until that, until that chin goes. Um, Gaethje is a favorite in this one, which is almost hard to, it's kind of hard to believe if I'm being honest, just because one of these guys was UFC champion and nobody knew who the fuck this guy was one fight ago. Um, but I guess Eddie hasn't, I mean, Eddie got, it's real, man, what have you done for me lately? Because Eddie Alvarez <laughs> was just the champion, folks. Uh, Gaethje plus, uh, minus 185, Alvarez plus 160. We're all hyped. We're all stoked. Um, I'm taking Justin Gaethje just like, I'm not getting off this. I'm not getting off the Justin Gaethje train now. This is not happening. Um, I'm so excited for this. Mike, what about you? What do you got here? Uh, For me, I'm going to employ the same tactic I had with Robbie Lawler in that until I see Justin Gaethje's chin give fully way in one of these wild and crazy fights, I'm not going to pick against him. Marcus, I know you're you got your boys on this card. So this this is a I mean we threw Barnett on here. We might have had all your boys. Um, I Eddie Alvarez, you you shook your head when I said I was surprised he was the favorite. It was the underdog. Did you think you think Eddie that doesn't surprise you at all? Like no, no, no. Okay. Um, I mean, really, when I, when I look at this fight, it's kind of like and, and and you kind of brought up an interesting point, Bob. Um, because I've had many fighters come into the UFC where I'm like, oh boy, wait until the world gets to see this guy. Eddie Alvarez being one of those, and that not really turning out to fruition. So happy for you, Bobby. It's always great when you when you find a, just an action-packed guy, and you tell everybody, and they have a fight, and you're like, "See, wasn't I right? Was I right all those years talking about um? Oh fuck, what's that stupid organization? I never watched it. World Series like, of Fighting. That's not even fighting that anymore. All those hours watching that shit paid off because I was watching this. And really, when when I saw Justin Gaethje, and I really only saw that Mike uh, the Johnson fight. He, he looks like there's a better version of Eddie, you know, and, and one that is is capable and willing to engage in those firefights that Eddie used to and, and get the better of. Um, I, I am going to pick Eddie because, like you said, he's one of my boys. Uh, again, like the Overeem fight, I think smart money is on Justin Gaethje. But um, the few things I like in this is that, you know, Eddie knows how to bang with the best of them. And if they do get in a firefight, it's a 50-50 on who's going to get caught first. And if Eddie catches Gaethje first, he can easily put it away. And I guess one of the other things, I, I hope it doesn't resort to this because, like Bobby's saying, on paper, this is a style matchup. This should be a barn burner. I would hate to see Eddie Alvarez resort to the kind of takedown wrestling mentality. Yeah, which, I mean, to he be can't fair, do it. The thing. Honestly, I don't think he's capable of it because Gaethje's too good of a wrestler. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Gaethje's anti-wrestling, so maybe it, he won't be able to do that, but... We've seen Eddie in what would be exciting fights implement that kind of style and really make it a boring fight. But, you know, at the end of the day, he got W's on those fights, right? I mean, this is a way that – it's something that he can fall back on. 
and get Ws. I don't know if he'll be able to implement that against Justin. I hope they go out and have a firefight. Like Bobby said in Eddie's quote, it definitely seems like that's the mentality that he's trying to get into. At the same time, we just saw him fight against Dustin Poirier, and we've seen him struggle with southpaw fighters. I just looked up Gaethje, Bobby, because seriously, if Gaethje was a southpaw, I would have picked him. Because Eddie has not been able to oh tighten up. Oh my god, that would have been that would be it would be a disaster. Yeah, yeah, because Eddie hasn't tightened up those defenses against southpaws quite yet. Um, Justin being orthodox gives me, you know, a little room to think that maybe they can't, you know, swing and bang, and maybe Eddie could get the better of him. I think if they go in there and they have a fight like we saw against um, him and Johnson, I think Eddie has a decent shot of winning this. I think Justin has a little bit better shot just because he hasn't taken the the wear and tear that Eddie has throughout his career. Um, but yeah, I'm going with Eddie. It, it's it's a long shot. I think this is definitely one that Justin, you know, has the upper hand on. But I think if it gets into a firefight, Eddie has a good shot of winning those fights. You know, that's something that he's really thrived in. And that's the thing, too, is that they're both so similar. They're both used to getting cracked and keep going. So I think that's why we're so excited is that not only do we know these guys will throw down in a firefight, but we know that even when they get clipped, they normally don't resort to, OK, I'm hurt. Let's play it you know, safe for a second. It's like, no, keep throwing. He's going to make a mistake now well, that I'm hurt. You know what? I'm, I'm just going to read a couple more Eddie Alvarez quotes uh, just to get everybody even more excited. The title isn't on the line, but there's another up, title up for grabs, and that is for UFC's most violent fighter. That title is going to be crowned on Saturday night, and that title is the most important in the division right now. Okay, last few lines aside. Okay. Um, I'm the hardest working fighter in the UFC. Eh, that doesn't get you anywhere. Don't fuck with my ego. Don't make me emotional because I will. I fight in a manner that's fucking violent when you bring it out of me. That I, that that gets me excited. I don't see it getting into the third round. To be honest, we don't need five. Justin Gaethje is crazier, but I'm the better fighter, and I'll be crowned UFC's most violent champion. Anything's is a belt. Um, the more I read this, anything's gonna give a belt. He knows it's not a five round fight, right? It. I think that could be. Well, I think I think they asked him because it's like if it was gonna be on the tough finale, they maybe. We're not even going to talk about the tough finale, but I think it could have been the main event for that. I, I think if if somehow we end up with a potential barn burner and this ends in three, I'm going to be so disappointed because this this is main event worthy. You want these guys, if they can go five rounds, you want to see all five fucking rounds. So if this becomes like, I mean, easily, if these guys have a fantastic fight and it goes three, easy uh, you know, fight of the year. Justin Gaethje potentially comes fighter of the year in my heart because I like to see action fights. I don't care about the prestige of your title reigns and all that stuff. I want to see dudes throwing down. If we get to that third round and these two dudes are bloodied and we don't know who really won, it's a it's a coin toss, I will be devastated because this deserves to have five rounds. I don't think it'll come to that. I'm pretty sure one of these guys will go out for sure within the first three. But I that's maybe maybe what I fear the most more than Eddie laying on this dude in the corner and just having a snooze fest is these guys having a barn burner and being deprived of two more rounds of what could be the best fight of all time. That was God. I'm Get hyped. So, I'm so excited. This is, this is how is it going to live up? You know what? Somehow Michael Johnson and Justin and Justin Gaethje lived up for me. I was so excited for that one. Um, do you end up picking Eddie Alvarez? I don't even remember. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> he might this win. Is man. Where, this is where everyone starts catching up. Man, he could win. So could Alistar. You could just see him this week. It's just, it's not looking as good for them. They can win. It's not looking great. Um, Tisha Torres, Michelle Watterson, uh, in a fight that they're going to lie to you and say somehow the winner of this is getting a title shot when we saw the champion beat both of them. Um, 
Michelle Watterson plus 145. Tisha Torres minus 165. Stefan's taking um, Michelle Watterson. I'm thinking Michelle Watterson too because I don't think Tisha Torres is that good. Not that Michelle Watterson is amazing, but I think Tisha Torres gets out of these fights by the skin of her teeth. I don't, I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't really put it on girls in my opinion. Um, I know she finished uh, Juliana Lima and that was great, but that's her first finish ever. So I'm not going to think all of a sudden she's in some, she's some sort of a finisher out there. Michelle Watterson will get you. She gets a hold of you. She takes you down. She can handle some business. So I'm going to take Michelle Watterson. Agree with Steph here. Uh, Mike? Uh, Tisha Torres, much like Francis Ngannou, but on a much more feminine level. She looks the part of a killer, but not really so. Last fight notwithstanding. Uh, Michelle Watterson just has more has more weapons. She has a better camp, in my opinion. Uh, I'm going with the Karate Hottie. Mark, you can make it up here. Tisha Torres is the favorite. Um, well, you know, I and it's fine. I am going with Tisha Torres, and part of me is just is still in this old mindset that Michelle, because I, I've known about Michelle Waterson for a while, and she wasn't really always considered. She was a gimmick. Be, yeah, she wasn't really a world beater back then, you know. And she definitely has some losses, um, you know, on her resume. But really, she has gotten so much better in the last couple of years. Um, you know, but a couple of years ago, if you said Watterson and Tisha Torres, it's Torres all day. I mean, you really have to – because I also knew of Tisha Torres when she first started out, and this was a world beater. She was taken over. And you look at her record, and even though we know she has those two losses on tough, and I think that kind of – I think in my mind at least kind of brings her down a little bit. I mean, her record is at 9-1. and one. I think Watterson is a tough stylistic fight for her. But I do think she can be the more aggressive, more action, just doing more stuff throughout the fight to get that judge's decision. And I think that is how she wins here is she's just a little bit more active. She gets on top of Watterson. Watterson throws up triangles, but her legs are too long. She can't snitch stuff in on Tisha Torres, who's short and compact. And, you know, uh, Torres steals some rounds on her and gets a decision. I think that's a really real possibility. The other one being that Watterson lights her up standing up gets her on a sub on the ground is another very likely scenario. Um, but I, I like Tisha Torres. I think she's a very durable fighter. I think your guys' um, kind of uh, look at her not being a finisher, completely accurate. You know, this girl does not finish. She goes in there to outwork you, you know, and she's really good at that. And I think she could potentially outwork Watterson here. It's going to be tough. Like you guys mentioned, Watterson has a lot of skills, especially on the ground. She's, you know, very dangerous, you know, in the guard. If she gets on top of you, she's dangerous. Rear naked chokes are a real threat that Tisha Torres has to be wary of. But I've always seen Torres as, as a person that that really knows her game and knows the logistics of how to get wins. And I think she can do it here. I think it's going to be tough, but it's definitely feasible. Um. All right. Uh, that's it for the main card. Uh, just before we call this is, it This is really a top to bottom. A really yeah, good card. Yeah, I want to mention some fights. I mean, yeah, Paul Felder, Oliveira, Yancy Medeiros, aka Baby Diaz versus another Oliveira, Courtney Casey, Felice Herrig. Uh, against all odds, I really wanted to hate Felice Herrig after uh, the Ultimate Fighter, but I really enjoyed her last few fights. And shoot, curtain jerking. Uh, public enemy number one when it comes to women fighters, Angela yeah, Magana. We're, we're going to be done with her after this if she loses this fight, right? Like, that's it? That's that's three in a row. And, in the, she and lost two in a row before she got in the UFC. No one likes her. <laughs> and the fighters really don't like it when you file charges against the other fighters. They, they call you lots of names. Right or wrong. Um, hey, yeah. Like Kobe Covington. 
Well, thank you, Mike. Way to go. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it's uh, this is a good card off the bottom. Well, I don't know about bottom. None of us have fight passes at Mike apparently. Um, so I'm not watching any of that. Um, oh, no, let me tell you that. Let me tell you what though. I would if I was gonna watch, I would watch Abdul Razak Al Hassan versus Sabah uh, Homasi. Uh, just for like shit, man. That's some Middle Eastern shit going down right there. That's uh. <laughs> That's some regional battles going on. That's where I get involved. I think really when, when, when you listen to our show, and I think last week, you know, we were kind of very critical on the UFC product, right? And we were talking about too many cards, oversaturation. I think we can all agree these are the kind of cards that, you know, look, this is a pay-per-view that doesn't have three title fights on it. And it's still, I think, completely worth your money because not and, only and do... It's not that good, but just to make just to like agree with you here, like, hey, if you're not, we're, we all already talked about this. I'm, I will pay for this myself if I have to. I am that into this card. That's how good it is for me. I will buy it myself and watch this thing. Yeah, and I mean, and, and we were just we were you know being kind of critical on the product, you know. And I think you know just look at these two fight cards. Look at last week's and look at this pay per view coming up. And I think if you're kind of in the know, you can see who's on that you know that card, and you can see a stark difference. That not only did the other card not have names that we're familiar with, there was no drama in the kind of the rankings or you know who's going to get there's no storylines really there right it's basically the only storyline has like is michael bisman going to get capped bad in this fight and we saw yeah and that's not very compelling because we kind of saw that coming but in this fight not only do we have a championship fight which i think is a little not 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 as grandiose as as it could be in some other divisions with you know fresher matchups and stuff like that but after that we have a title contender for heavyweight like you said bob francis wins he's in title picture i think easily same thing with Henry and uh, Sergio. Pretty much same thing with Eddie and Justin. Yeah, relevant too. fights. They're all relevant. All Every one of these main card fights, the winner of this fight could very legitimately fight for a title in their next fight. And I think if you're going to stack a pay-per-view card and you're not going to have you know three title fights, which I think is a fantastic way to do a pay-per-view. If you have that many titles on the line, that's just a lot of important stuff going down on one card. But if you don't have that, stacking it with names that are in contention for titles – and in this case, also happened to stack up really well next to each other, which, I mean, it, it will be hard to swallow if we come back next week and this card, this main card, was not entertaining. If we have a bunch of snoozers here, like Eddie wrestles Justin, Henry wrestles uh, Sergio, Alistar wrestled, you know, if we have a bunch of wrestle uh, fests and it's just a bunch of boring stuff, I'll be really devastated because on paper, this is pure fireworks. And it, it, it it's reason enough to, to pull out your $50, $60 bill and say, yes, please, I'll, I want to spend the next three hours of my life watching cage fights. Um, Yeah, I mean, Mike, you're, you're excited? I'm pretty stoked. That's right. Um, Okay, let's... Uh, what, what, what do we call the segment? I do not like Memories of a... Memoirs of a fight memories. fan. There we go. Yeah, which I got to both come up with the question and answer it right here. Um, we prepped. So, we I, honestly, I, the problem is I have no memory anymore. I don't remember which ones we do and don't do. And then we lost one when we lost that whole episode. Um, okay, Bob. So what I got so far, I have coaches, live yeah. fights, sub, favorite fighter. I think we're missing one. Event. Events. No, that was live fight. Yeah, that was live fight. Okay. I, see, I can't. So I can't just ask what's favorite event of all time. It requires too much thinking right now. It was like it, it um, was your favorite live fight, I think. Yeah. Something like um, that. This is really simple um, in that 
You don't have to really justify it, really, but who is your favorite lightweight fighter of all time? Lightweight meaning 155 pounds or whatever lightweight meant in fucking Pride. What was Pride up to? Whatever we. What, you was, know what? If, if, you, if you're picking Gomi, you're picking Gomi. It's fine. Yeah, because it literally was like, how much can Gomi cut? Like 162? That's the weight class. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm going to go first, give the guys a minute as I usual do, usually do. Uh, BJ Penn. BJ Penn is my favorite 155-pound fighter. I guess I'm my codicil for this is that it's my favorite one to watch. And it's either him or Nate, to be honest, him or Nate Diaz. But Nate's my favorite. So many other things, both him and his brother. But I, I feel I want to talk about BJ Penn as he's a walking husk of himself now. Uh, there was this uh, – I remember there was this, like, uh, thing on Bloody Elbow years ago when I used to go to that site where it was a before and after of everybody when they fought BJ Penn. And it was just, like, a bunch of dudes who just were fucked up when it was over. And that was before Frankie Edgar figured out the puzzle and then you know, got the descent into sadness here. But – uh, BJ Penn was the reason the 155 pound weight class, he was relevant. He was the first person to show that they could sell at 155 pounds. He was a much, it's, it's kind of like how Connor showed that 145 could sell on a much huger level, much larger level, of course. But, uh, BJ's the man and he's got a loyal fan base. And years later, years from now, people are going to be like, this guy's in the hall of fame. He's like 14 and 11. The fuck? Why? It's cause shit like BJ Penn will fight anybody. BJ Penn tried to fight Tim Sylvia. He called and asked if he could fight Tim Sylvia. He wanted to get a heavyweight title shot. I mean, they, they said you have to be in the weight class. He says, how about I just fight Tim Sylvia? He tried to fight him. They said no. That's BJ Penn. And we all, no one here is doubting that. No one's thinking, oh, BJ Penn was just talking shit. BJ Penn would have fought Tim Sylvia. Um, I love BJ Penn. So, yeah. And that's why it hurts so much every time he fights now. Um, Mark? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, the obvious choice is kind of not really fair because it was already covered in uh, favorite fighter. But, I mean, Genki Sudo was a lightweight um, who often fought. I think he, he, he kind of hovered around that weight because he definitely fought guys at 170 as well. Um, but I do remember him beating Matt Brown with an arm bar and a couple other lightweight guys. So he definitely falls in that um, weight category. Even I think he even fought at like 145 too. So the easy choice is uh ganky but I'll, I'll go ahead and sh set, uh, shed some light on a guy that you mentioned and your pick kind of trumps mine bobby because bj fought gomi and beat him but um i've always been a big fan of takiori gomi um and i guess i would really highlight his uh shuto and um pride days that's really where he hit his peak and had a lot of his fantastic fights um and wants to look out for him in um kawaji uh why can't i say that kawajiri had a great fight um, him and Sakurai had a good one. He had a good little rivalry with some of the shooter box guys when he was over in um, Pride. And then even in a losing effort, just because it was a fantastic fight, him and Nick Diaz just put on a barn burner. Um, and yeah, you know, I always liked Gomi. Because of his fighting style, he, he was really a guy to go out there and, and just womp some heads. You know, the dude was just there to, to, to get you down and bust you up. Um, but I loved his little uh, victory ceremony. It, it particularly only worked in a ring. Because you'd basically climb the, the top turnbuckle and then stand on the post and turnbuckle. And it was kind of like this weird ring surfing thing he would do where he's trying to balance himself up there. And I always just thought it was badass when he did that stuff. And uh, he was definitely the face of pride. He was a Japanese hero for um, Japanese mixed martial arts when uh, the Bushido series, which was pride's lower weight classes, really came into fruition. And, you know, kind of like BJ in the UFC 
Gomi was the guy at lightweight for pride to kind of be like, this is your Japanese hero. Get behind this guy. He had personality and he had great fights. And, you know, <laughs> much like BJ, he's hung around for way too long. He's a shadow of his former self, but nevertheless, we love the guy. And, you know, there's so many great guys at lightweight. You know, I could have easily talked about Gilbert, could have talked about Josh Thompson, could have talked about Eddie Alvarez, who we just talked about earlier. There's a, you know, a, a wide breadth of quality, fun, interesting, unique fighters at lightweight. Um, but yeah, I mean, easily Kinky Sudo is just top notch, always number one for me. Um, and then Gomi as well. And like I mentioned, all those other guys are, you know, need to be n- mentioned by name because they, they really took lightweight and made it popular. Not to the extent that BJ did where he basically hosted that bitch on his shoulders and ran with it for five years. Um him himself but uh yeah just a really fun weight class and we're still seeing cool guys coming in like justin gaethje in this upcoming card someone who is relatively unknown and kind of just burst onto the scene and you know i probably like you guys kind of consider connor 155 to be his most natural weight class that hopefully maybe someday we'll see him fight again at 155 who knows so that's me that's mark with the snark there mike it's an easy choice and probably obvious choice for anyone who's been listening to this podcast for the last few years for me. For me, 155, it's got to be Nate Diaz. Um, he's never been the best 155-er, but in the fight game, almost as important as your record is your personality and your drawing ability. And for me, I've always been drawn to Nate Diaz and, and his older brother, Nick. Uh, one thing you never get, always get with the Nate Diaz fight is that it's going to be a tension-filled fight. It's going to be an entertaining fight. It's either going to be he stubbornly won't, um, will, will never check a leg kick, will never throw a kick, will always stick to boxing even if it's not working for him. But damn it, he's still going to throw whatever he's going to throw. And you're not going to be disappointed in the fight, even if he gets his ass kicked. Um, Legend grew with the Conor McGregor fight. Uh, no one gave him a shot, even though that fight was at one fifty, at, at one seventy. But you know, give me that, give me that leeway. Uh, you always remember the ones that got you into the sport. And for me, Nate Diaz was one of my first uh, fighters that I thought, holy crap. This guy's awesome. He is a goddamn gangster. And um, talking about Nate Diaz, my uh, girlfriend sent me a picture today of uh, the first time all of us went to, to Vegas when we took the picture with uh, Nate Diaz and Court McGee. And Nick. And Oh, this is the picture without Nick. They have a picture um, without Nick? And, okay. <laughs> And she's making a comment on Court McGee and how hairy he is. And she thought Court McGee was one of our friends. And I say... <laughs> he, he kind and of I, is! <laughs> and I told her, no, that's Court McGee. He's a professional MMA fighter. And she answered with, oh, so does he work for Bobby as well? <laughs> and I go, no, no, no. And then she makes a comment about Drew because she thought Drew was an MMA fighter. And then she's like, all right, so I'll talk to you later. And I tell her, wait a second. 
you don't make any comment about the star of the picture? Mm. And she answers, well, I mean, that's pretty conceited. And I say, no, not me. Nick, uh, Nate Diaz. <laughs> God, the, the middle guy in the picture. She's like, oh, that's Nate Diaz? Mm-hmm. And um, so I had to explain to her the legend of uh, of Nate Diaz and how all of us love him. So hey, for me, it's so- always going to be it's always going to be Nate Diaz at one fifty five, my favorite fighter. I just want to say, like, this is like if you notice a common tra- thread um, with all these fighters is that they don't have to win all their fights. And uh, when these fighters are all trying to market themselves these days, and I get it, you have to promote yourself because people won't promote for you. The thing that sticks with people is that you have to connect with them on some level. And sure, Connor talks shit, but he's the goddamn pride of his people. And yeah, BJ did a bunch of dumb shit, but you know what? People, he connected with people. And, you know, Genki Sudo Marcus wasn't the, the most serious fighter of all times, but he managed to connect with people. Nate does all sorts of dumb shit. You got to be able to connect with people. And it's not just, you know, fucking going out there and saying racist shit about Brazilians. You know... I don't know. If, I don't think Chael has the fans that these other guys do. Let's put it that way. No, and, I, and I think, Bobby, you, you nailed it to, to an extent because it is it is partly about how you present yourself kind of outside the cage. But when you, when I look at those three guys we mentioned and some of the guys we kind of gave, you know, uh, shout outs to as well, you, you do connect to them. But it, it's more than just their personality, right? It's the fight they have in the cage. That's what you kind of connect with. You kind of build this bond like, oh, I like this guy's personality. I kind of want him to win. And then you see the the drama that unfolds in a fight, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but you see these guys give and push and get pushed and see how they come back from that. And that's what really makes us a true fan. And you can look at all the guys that we talked about, and those are all guys that they don't just go out there and try to get W's, right? Like they try to go out there to decimate, to not just win the fight, but prove without a shadow of doubt. Like, no, I didn't just beat this guy for 15 minutes and I edged him out on this arbitrary scorecard. I put a beating on this guy. I went out there to fight. The, and Marcus, do you feel out there. a lot of these guys who just talk shit for talk of shit? Like, okay, we're talking about the asshole, but it's him. You talk about, like, Nick Lentz. Or, like, it's almost like I feel there's people out there who are just talking a whole bunch of shit. And then their fights are not good, and I'm some I'm like you're going to trick me into caring about your fights. Well, yeah, I think I, I think in, in the guys you mentioned are very astute to this because, and I don't want to put people in a box and to say like if you're this type of fighter, you can't reach Born the height. Grinder. Yeah, it, 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 but it really is a lot of guys that came from wrestling because in amateur wrestling, it's not about you know how many German suplex can I land on this dude to get the crowd hyped. It's about I need to get more points to this dude. If I get one takedown that gets me two points, I let him up for an escape and just stall out the rest of the, the rest of the match. I win. That's all that matters. It, it, that's all that matters is a W. So I think a lot of the guys, like you mentioned, Chael and Nick Lentz and some of these guys that come from the wrestling background, their mentality going into these fights isn't that like I want to show what kind of fighter I am and what kind of fighting spirit I have. It's like I want to show people that I can win because I'm a winner and winning is what's important. And I think that's why we gravitate towards what I would consider to be a fighter's fighter, right? Like these guys aren't just coming in to get a W. They're coming in there to decimate you because they put months on the line to show that I can fuck people up. And that's what they do. Do you think it's also like there's a sense of realness with a lot of these guys? Uh, Yeah. I don't feel I'm being lied to at all. Like even like, look, BJ goes out there and BJ goes out there and he fights GSP. And we're all like, BJ doesn't look like he trained like that hard. And we know he did it. Like, and it's not like I'm just like, you know, like it's not that they're like, always the baddest motherfucker out there but like i just feel like i'm seeing what this guy is i don't see i'm getting a front it's like a thing we always complained about for years with john jones was like why are you hiding who you are granted who he was not great but you know what i mean like it's 
nobody appreciates like you're hiding something from them. And it's all like these guys who adopt a persona to try to maybe mask their in-cage shortcomings. And sure, man, you can be, you can have not the most interesting fights and people will show you respect and people will care about you still. You know, there's other ways to do it, I feel, than just hiding who you are as a person. I don't know, Mike, yeah. what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I think that on some level it has to be the people have to connect with you. And they got to recognize that you're real because it doesn't always have to be that you're a shit talker for people to really connect with you. You know, we can go back to, what was his name? Jonathan Brookings on uh, The Tough Winner. Yeah, I remember, that guy was awesome. <laughs> yeah, like he, 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 he had great fights and he never talked shit. But I know coming out of that tough season, anyone who watched that season they all thought, man, I really want to watch this guy fight. He's a weird motherfucker. He's a genuinely weird dude. Dude, like, I forgot. I want to see like this. A, there was like I want to see this guy. There was like be a good. six months. There was like a six or seven months stretch. We're all like, yeah, man, let's watch this dude with the lateral drop and see what he's got. Like, let's let's see the hippie with the lateral drop. Yeah, you know our our current our current flyweight champ, Rose. I mean, you know, you, you saw at least on, at least on her tough season. You know, we saw her get really emotional on the season, and then we saw her evolve into a semi cyborg and. None of us really thought, oh, she's just putting on a gimmick here. Like, we could see, we could genuinely see she was thinking, no, this is what I'm going to do. I don't care how it looks for the camera. Uh, this is what I'm going to do to get to my goal. And on some level, we can respect that and we can, we can connect with that. And, you know, the aforementioned a-hole, as Bobby put him, you know, we can see that it's a very forced upon um, front and it's not even a good front like Chael Sonnen did because at least that one was really funny. You know, like at least on some level, we know that that's not really Chael Sonnen's true personality when he was talking all when he's talking all this shit. But it's at least funny and it's entertaining. He has a knack for at it. At least he was the first guy to rip off a bunch of pro wrestlers, I felt. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're just we're having the same conversation we have all the time. We're already an hour and twenty minutes into this thing. Let's just do stuff we like and call it a damn day. By the way, there's a title fight the night before this pay per view that uh, Stefan's the only one watching tough. So uh, it's all worth right. mentioning. Yeah, yeah, we're getting a new champion. I'm just wondering if you know we couldn't throw this fight on the pay per view the next day and maybe send Tisha and Michelle as good as a fight that could be. Send that to the prelims and we just you know. Don't make people watch anything with a co-main event of Andrew Sanchez versus Ryan James. If Roxanne Modafferi, if Roxanne Modafferi wins the championship, I'm we need to so find happy. a way to get her on a pay-per-view with a million buys. We need to get her paid. Oh God! I mean, I God! I hope Roxanne. But we could do a whole show on the whole thing where they're gonna the finale. There's an episode on Wednesday. The main and the finale is on Friday, and the UFC has a day to promote this fucking thing. That could be a whole show. Um, but Rox we, Roxanne fights on Wednesday to see if she's in the finals. I honestly don't have any spoilers. Nothing is. I haven't looked for a leak. Uh, Amanda the other, the Nunes. Other one said, Amanda Nunes thinks she's not getting any push. I love Roxy. If she becomes champion, we're really gonna see a champion not get any type of promotion oof. behind her. Like, Amanda Holy Nunes shit. says. Amanda Nunes, Mark. I'm not sure you saw this. Amanda Nunes says she needs to fight some pretty blonde girls because the UFC is not gonna push her. So she just wants to get on the cards with the pretty blonde girls so they get attention in their fights. Yeah, which is sad. When we talked that whole thing last week about 
getting the LGBT. She should have her own goddamn float. Yeah, I mean, what it'd be fuck? so easy to kind of like, uh, like you mentioned, Bob. Like, get her on Helen or or uh, Helen, Ellen. You know, why not get on that kind of circuit and try to say like, yeah, we have the first lesbian champion of our sport, and we're yes, proud of it. Send send Nina out there with her, man. Nina's great. She just beat Angela Hill. She's yeah. in the top ten. But like, I mean, you know what? I mean, what's cool is that yeah, we're getting another title for a women's division, which is sorely needed. This is a weight class that's kind of been talked about and needed for a while. And what I look forward to is the one day we have a pay-per-view card that has like three women's title fights on it. And I hope that it would do well as well. You know, that's kind of my, that's kind of my dream is that not only, I mean, we're seeing women's MMA still flourish after Ronda has been gone, but I think it would really say something if they had three women's title fights and it broke a million sales. I don't know if it's possible. I think, I think we gotta get we gotta get Ronda back. <laughs> I don't know. We're if gonna need Ronda possible. back that's for that my, one. That, that's like my dream, right? I would love to have three women champion fighting on a pay per view and have that pay per view break a million sales because they just bring it and they have good fights and they're interesting fighters like Roses, like Roxanne would be, and like you know potentially having Cyborg or Holly Holm or Amanda Nunes. Maybe they have like yeah. What, what about this? Cyborg beats Holly Holm. And then Cyborg and Nunes do like a unification belt. And then we have those two other title fights underneath it. I think that's a gangbusters pay-per-view. Yeah, if I'm a man of Nunes, I say the fuck away from Cyborg. But that's a big fight. And I think that pay-per-view, if you have <laughs> those three champions, a unified belt between two different women's division, I think maybe that could break a million. Okay. Well, we got to do stuff we like. But just real quickly, okay. on a scale of 1 to 10, give me your number. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being shocked, 1 being not at all surprised. If Holly Holm beats uh, Cyborg, where are you at? Uh, 10 shocked? Yeah. I'd be at like a 7 or 8. We we all see how it happens, right? Like okay. if it does happen, we all see how it happens. If it, What? No, I'm just saying Cyborg can't Probably count for five right? rounds. Yeah. I'm just saying Cyborg is jabbed to death, but yeah, okay. There's another one there. <laughs> okay, I got about 7. That's where I'm at too. Mike, what about you? I'm at about a five. I can I can see how Holly Holm can win this fight. Yeah. Um. All right. Stuff we like. Um. Let's try to make it short, boys. Uh. I finished Punisher. Mike has Mark hasn't watched it yet. I know Mike has. I know Mike. If you finish it, but here's my review. The first two episodes are cool. Then I got bored, and then I got then I enjoyed it. The last like three. Okay. So That's that me. kind of that kind of jives with Netflix Marvel stuff recently. Yeah. Honestly, like the honestly, first I, couple I, episodes get you on a high. And I think really it's too many episodes. They don't need to be an hour long. These are an hour long, right? I'm guessing they didn't mess with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what what ultimately happens is they have middles that kind of dredge along, and you're like, yeah. And uh, like honestly, I'm two eight was eight not in, fair. I'll watch it. I'll watch more. But honestly, it was like wherever we were. Like, I went, like when we were talking last week, I was on like episode four or five, and I was already I was at the point there where I'm like, you're feeling it. What, what I'm like, where are we going here? And I looked at the number of episodes. I'm like, fuck me. There's another nine. Like that's that was me. And then like I kind of zoned. I was kind of zoning in and out while watching it. And then around episode, I want to say ten or eleven, Mike. That's when I got back into the thing. Mm-hmm. What were you? What'd you think? Um, I'm still on episode six from where we left off last week. Um, I've but been you're, busy. you're not. A- you're not like bored or anything yet. You were like into no, it. No, no, no. I'm I'm not bored of it. I was just busy not watching it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll probably get into it in the next week or so. You know, I'm starting to realize with a lot of these shows that I really like, I, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of trying to binge watch it the whole way through. Like I did it with Stranger Things a few weeks ago. Yeah, but Stranger Things is awesome. <laughs> it, it is awesome. And when I finished it on Sunday, I thought, oh, there's no more. 
I finished it in 48 hours. Do you guys think the way they produce these shows were like, like if this was just a weekly show and like episode like, Mark, you felt the same way about Luke Cage. So go think about Luke Cage when I say this. Like episode eight of Luke Cage or Punisher just airs where like nothing fucking happens. Like if that was a weekly show I watched, I think we'd all come on here and be like, the fuck was that? Right? Like what? nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get Mike's stance on this because I, I've noticed for myself, like I don't binge shows at least not the way that it seems like the general consensus is like 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 i'll binge a show because it'll be like my main show and i'll watch an episode and then but then, but then i take a break right i might watch a different show i might play some video games or something i might watch another episode a couple hours or a couple days and i think that's kind of what i've been doing like um i mentioned last week i watched one episode of future man this week i watched one more episode of future man and i'm kind of okay with that i'm kind of okay spreading this stuff out instead of it being like you watch an hour episode especially is it, it and i think it really comes with these hour-long episodes it's just like i can only take one at a time i can't focus you know two three hours in a sitting to just watch one show right i like to kind of mix it up and stuff so yeah i, I kind of agree mike I, I totally get where you're coming from like especially with the and i agree with bobby too like i feel like if I couldn't watch these shows when I wanted to, if they had a week or two where there were kind of like bad episodes, I would be much more likely to drop off, right? I'd just be like, yeah, I didn't dig it last week. I missed this week's, and now there's another week, and now I'm behind, and it's just like, eh, forget it. I'm done. I meant, literally, Mr. Robot, the first episode of the season, like, it's maybe like 10 minutes into it where I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. I'm like, let me ride this out. And then it was over. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck this. I still got <laughs> to watch season two. Man, it, like season two is okay. Season one is excellent. I, I mean, people still like season. People still like season three. So maybe it's just me. I, but I, I'm not digging it. Um, all right, we're Jesus Christ. This is long. Mike, go. What do you got? Uh, for me, uh, it's a movie I just watched yes uh, last night. Uh, Kingsman: The Golden Circle. It's the sequel to uh, the movie, the first movie that came out in 2014. Oh, fuck, I still need to see that. Uh, really good movie. C uh, Tates is in it. Um, Halle Berry. Did you uh, see the first one? Of course, I saw the first one. So, were you were hyped? Like, I'm. I was hyped. And I still haven't seen. Yeah, this. I was like, really I liked excited. The first, the one, first one was really good. Uh, the second one, in my opinion, it's it's pretty pretty close to the first one as well. That's good to hear. Yeah, so excellent movie. I would uh, recommend watching it. Right on, Marcus. You got anything? Yeah, I got a couple of things, so I will try to make them fast. First, I got to give mad props to my boy, Dr. Law, because <laughs> uh, I don't know if I really thanked you when you actually got me the SNES classic, but uh, let's say I did. Let's just say I wasn't a complete asshole and actually thanked you for getting I, me the I don't remember, but thing. sure, let's go with that. That's fine. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Bobby, through connections, through family members, and some probably shady dude in New York, yeah, um, that, that part definitely happened, yeah. <laughs> he, were, uh, he was able to score me the Super, uh, Super Nintendo Classic or the Mini SNES, as some people are calling it on the streets. And this is basically a little self-contained uh, Super Nintendo console that's super small and very cute. And it basically comes with 21 preloaded Super Nintendo games. Um, you might remember this was announced like oh, about a year ago, and we I talked about it then. I mean, and this machine is just, just filled with killer Super Nintendo games, they're only really missing a handful of, like, the top echelon games like Chrono Trigger and Turtles in Time. But basically, they got all the major heavy hitters, like your Super Mario World, Star Fox, F-Zero, Super Punch-Out, 
Castlevania, Super Metroid. I mean, really the best of the best is on this thing. And really for me, I love playing the device. Um, there's definitely some cons. I mean, if you, if you read reviews on it, the cords on the controller are kind of short. It's unfathomable about when you start a game, you can't get back to the home screen unless you hit the reset button on the actual console. So it, it's not a console that's friendly if you're trying to set it up in a, in a living room where there's a lot of space because you're going to have to be close to the machine, not only just to play it because the cord's so short, but also to reset the machine if you want to try a different game out. Those small minor gripes aside, it is such a cool product that you can play all of these classic Super Nintendo games so easily and so affordably. Um, the real downside, the real con on this stupid machine is just that it's so freaking hard to find. Um, I think there's a giant audience for this thing that would just love to, you know, have this. It'd be a great Christmas gift. I think it's uh, shortage is really the only thing stopping it from selling really extremely well. So um, that device is really cool. I've been having a, a lot of fun playing it. But I did want to, you know, shed some light on um, a show I've been watching on Hulu. You know, again, like last week, I knew I had some time to, to you know, watch a show or two. And I could have gone with Punisher. I'm still tempted to watch some Punisher. But I also knew The Runaways was on Hulu. And I kind of want to give that a shot. So I watched the first two episodes of it. And I have to say, when it comes to these streaming Netflix and uh, Marvel shows, I shouldn't just say Netflix, these streaming Marvel shows, um, they've all been very dramatic and gritty and kind of dark. And Runaways isn't quite like that. And actually, I really enjoy the series um, so far in the first two episodes I saw. I feel like some of the cons on it, it, it kind of has a little bit of what Mike might appreciate in the, in the WB kind of high school drama scenes where you're dealing with kind of high school students. And there can be some like over dramatic kind of, you know, scenes and stuff and kind of some quite not, not totally cringeworthy, but just kind of like, all right, this is a little kind of like awkward or weird. But really, the show is really well done. It has a extremely diverse cast. Um, of different ethnicities and you know a lot of a lot more female leads than you're probably used to seeing on TV shows where it's usually you know male to female it's two to one it's the opposite in this one there's twice as many female main characters as there are male characters and I mean if you're familiar with the comics this is based off a of Marvel property um, it in and of itself is just an interesting storyline where basically you have all these kids that all their parents are super villains. And then they find out and kind of freak out about it. That's basically as far as I've gone in both the comics and this series. But it's really well done. I would say like the production value on this show, I think is higher and better than the Netflix shows. They haven't done a lot of like special effects, but just the way it's shot. And um, yeah, it just seems like there, there's money going into this. It's it's They're putting time and effort and care into the show. And it shows. It, it's really good. If you have access to Hulu... I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, and Bobby, it seems like they're doing this thing where they're releasing like three episodes at a time or something. There's only three episodes available right now. So I don't know when we're going to get more episodes. I hope that the wait isn't too long in between. It's like I don't want like a, a tick thing, right? Like the tick released six episodes and then it's like we're going to have more episodes. Who knows? That was the whole se- I, thought that was, I thought that was the whole season. No, I think tick se- was like they did six and they're like we have more coming but later. And I don't like that. Like, I, I don't like binging a show like like in a day or two. But I like to have all the episodes there for that. When I'm ready to watch another episode, it's available, right? Like, I don't want to have to wait. 
Wait, so this one is it's in threes. How many are there right now? All I know so far is that there've been three episodes released, and that that's just what I read too. Maybe oh, so they only released three. They've only released three so far. So the number yeah. there. So I mean, I, I hope they're done, and it's just like every week they'll throw three out. I don't know. I don't know what the game plan is here. Um, all I do know is I've watched two and I've enjoyed them, and I would recommend it if you do have Hulu, and you know you you haven't watched these episodes yet. I would recommend both Future Man and um, The Runaways. They're both pretty good shows. Right on. Yep. Um, all right, guys. Super long show, like we always do. At this point, I'm not. I mean, we get anywhere close to an hour. It's a damn achievement. Um, our podcasts are giant sized. I realized that. A couple of you have told me. When I figure out how to fix that, it will be back to not being giant sized. Um, until then, enjoy the unreasonably good audio quality on a run of the mill podcast. All right. There you go. Um, yeah, that's honestly is really what it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, again, we'll make it for shitty this. for you guys again, so you can download. We're gonna try to down. We're gonna downgrade the audio. Not this week. Maybe next week. Um, once I figure out the fuck I'm doing with this thing. Um, thank you guys all for listening. This was episode 260. Uh, we celebrated our six year anniversary. We mentioned it last week. Um, and it's always nice when you guys tell us you like our shit. We we would do this anyway. I think. Yeah, we, we got I'm some emails trying. recently, right? Giving yeah. us some cred and yeah, getting us some cred. It's nice and like you know, it keeps us anytime- going. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, look, we would do this anyway, probably. Eventually, we'd get to the point where, like, if it said, like, five listens, we'd be like, okay, guys, that's enough. But, like, we do it anyway. But, like, when, like, I don't know, when I read, I sometimes forget, and when someone will tell me they like our show, I'll be like, hey, man, that's awesome. And then I'll think, man, what do we say? <laughs> what questionable shit did we say on this show? Um, but thank you guys all for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week. No kid presentable next week either, right, Marcus? He's back the yeah, show after yeah, that. It'll be another week. So sorry. He'll still be in Asia. <laughs> yeah, if the only one who watched Tough is not here for the Tough finale is really what, where we're at, folks. Um, all right. Um, back next week where we're going to talk about this car, the results of this 218 card. And Mark and I are going to explain why we're not driving three hours to go watch Cub Swanson fight. That'll be easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless they add another fight. They did add a new fight. And it was like. Not not tempting enough to even think about we're like, going. We're like, all right, we're like Cup Swanson, Brian Ortega. Then they added Marlon Moraes, Aljamain Sterling. You're like, okay, that was it, kind of interesting. Well, it went from like I'm not even going to watch this to now like I might watch this. If they add two more good fights on there, it's like, all right, how much are two you know more what? tickets? Yeah, yeah, you give me one more really good one, and then one more like, eh, me and Mark will be like Rochambeauing for contemplating, who contemplating. Okay, um, all right, yeah, back next week, guys. Thanks for listening. Peace out. See ya. See you guys.